This is Comet Picks by the Glick. Hey, I'm your host, Jason Glick. Hey, host Jason Glick. How the hell are you? I'm doing just fine, John. Yourself? Oh, not bad. What do you have on tap for us tonight? Well, I have something that, you know, a lot of people thought was never going to see print again because of all the um, insane um, legal like legal issue, legal quagmire surrounding it. That would be a Miracle Man. Um, originally a um, like a superhero de- um, a superhero revisionist deconstruction story, de- deconstructionist story from Alan Moore back in the eighties. It kind of set the tone for all for, for like for the dec- for the decades um, like streak of experimentation and revisionism, and just and the um, emerging maturity of superhero comics and the medium in it's like in general. It was a much loved and incredibly popular upon like upon release, but um, after um, its publisher Eclipse went out of business in the mid '80s, um, then like the rights um, fell into like fell into disarray. Originally, they were thought to be had by um, Todd McFarlane because he probably picked up a lot of sorry, a lot of trademarks after their their bankruptcy. And then, but also there's um, Dead Skin, the original publisher of the. Um, like of the warrior issues that were that was serialized in in the UK, he was said has an claim as well. Um, Alan Moore was said to have like ceded all of his um, rights to Neil Gaiman. Then there's also artist Gary Leach who had some rights to some of the characters who appeared in there, the Warpsmiths. It it was insane. It's like for decades, people were wondering like you know what is what the hell is going on here? What why is this like you know who owns the rights to the series? Why um, it's like is why is this not back back in print considering how how good it is, and um, well, let's see, it took um, let's see, it took Neil um, going over to Marvel to do to do some work for them, and apparently Marvel, um, and Marvel, their army of lawyers, um, trying like just slowly piece by piece securing the rights for it, like over it's like over a good good many number of years, and um, you know I'm sure that the um, actual story of just how the rights were assembled. Were reassembled and Marvel got got them again, um, would make for a fascinating story in and of itself. We're probably a couple of years, well, if not a full decade out from finding out the full behind the scenes story of that. You know, assuming we ever find out the particulars of this. You know, giving you know the whole corporate superhero, um, Marvel's cor- how um, unwilling Marvel would be to like delve into this um, into their um, legal and corporate struggles to get this stuff pieced together. But they did, and um, now series. Series, or at least Alan Moore's run so far, has been um, collected in three in three nice hardcover volumes. Neil Gaiman's run, which followed Moore's um, and was only um, partially completed, will be um, showing up in print later this year. It's like and and eventually finished because he apparently you apparently had had his entire run planned out through three discrete discrete arcs: the uh, the Golden Age, the Silver Age, and the Dark Age. But um, he was only able to get through part of the uh, Silver Age before um, before Eclipse went under. Now it's like we'll be we finding out how the story ends um, as he um, as he and Mark Buckingham team up later this year to give us the full like like the the real deal. But you know, in the end, it's like you know, we've we've got Moore's run. It's like as it is, it's good reading. And however, it is also telling about some of the um, concessions Marvel had to make in order to get this back into print. In that you know. These uh, three volumes, they are not credited to Alan Moore. They are credited credited to the original writer. I mean, even the parts where um, 
some of the um, errata from Eclipse where it just said, where they're talking about the fill-ins that had to be run because the um, flood wiped out the publisher's stock for that month. Uh, they had to go back and change things saying, hey, you know, it's like, we'll be back next month with the full story from, like, from Alan Moore. Nope. No, it says, we'll be back with a full story from the original writer. So, so, so unless you knew that um, Alan Moore originally wrote these stories, um, you probably just, like, you probably just assume that this is uh, written by some, some guy who builds himself as the original writer. Nope. It's just Marvel. The only way Marvel could acknowledge um, Alan Moore's contribution to this series. It's like, but, because apparently Moore just said, nope, not going to let you credit me because, you know, because, hey, fuck y'all. And, of course, Moore has had a, has had a bitterly contentious relationship with, Mar- it's like with Marvel that dates back to the actual publication of Miracle Man in the sense that the series was, the, the character's original name in the U.K. was Marvel Man. And so when they wanted to publish him as this character in the U.S., Marvel shipped in and said, uh-uh, not going to happen. And um, Moore said, okay, I will not write for you at all. That's going to be your, be your attitude. And so there you go. So um, it was so the character was really a Miracle Man. It's like it's like for his like um for the U.S. release of the series, and it's like and um I've see I wrote up my thoughts on the first first volume, and volume two has been sitting on my two review pile for a while now. It's just haven't haven't found quite the wherewithal to like dive into the, to the analysis the series deserves, but um you know rereading all this stuff in preparation for this podcast, the series holds up. Immensely well, considering it was written like all oh, like three decades ago, and um, let's see. And even though it's like yes, just a lot of the stuff. It's like it, it's not. It hasn't aged. All also hasn't aged um, beautifully, but it still hold. But it still holds up because um. Well, let me start with start at the beginning. This is, Miracle Man is just the story of one Mike Moran, average guy. I'm um, living, living with his girlfriend Liz, and he's like he's just like you're at. Average, average schlub, a reporter, like I'm, um, li- photographer, um, living with his girlfriend, trying to make ends meet, and then at one point when, um, during a uh, nuclear po- protest at this one um, power power plant, um, he's kidnapped by it's like by some pro- by some protesters, and after he pass after he um, passes out, he starts to pass out. It's like during the um, it's like during the affair, he's it's like he, it's like he um pass to he. Uh, like he passes through the, like through, through the facility and sees um and is reminded of the magic word. This magic word that he sees from his dreams, Kimota, or if you read it backwards, Atomic. Because like you know, this is a series that dates back to the um to the fifties, and so like you know, nuclear power, it's a magic word, it makes everything happen. So he, because um Moran, like um get need to back up a bit, um has had these has been plagued with these dreams of. Like a dream, a dream of flying. That's where the first volume gets its title from. As he, 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 he remembers, he vaguely remembers his his time as it's like as a superhero, miracle man. But they're just dreams, just dreams of being a superhero and nothing, nothing more. But then, like when he says his, ma- his magic word, he becomes the character. And now, um, after all these years, Miracle Man is back. So, and we're going to um get all these like adventures where he fights his or. or where he fights some um, average guys, where he fights some um, super, super villains, protects the status quo, go like um, goes home to be Mike Mike Moran again, right? Wrong. Well, because American Man was the first was one of the first um, series to pose the question: What if a superhero existed in the real world? What kind of effect would that have on the? It's like on on the character psyche. What 
what happens when you try to um, reconcile all the crazy adventures he had in the 50s with the reality of it's like it's like of the world itself i mean when um, when um, moran is like as miracle man is re- recounting all of his cra- his adventures and his origin to his girlfriend she basically she basically almost laughs him out of the room because saying oh this great this god who gave you the um universal har- harmonic um to um to change yourself into the super being and then you had all these um adventures with this um villain named Gargunza and a guy guy named Dickie Dauntless. It's like, wow, that's just that's just crazy. It's like and it's like, yeah, it's a, but but then um because Moore is it's like it's nothing it's nothing if not clever. He um like his reinterpretation of Miracle Man basically shows you that yes, all this stuff was true, but here's how it actually happened because this is the first one of the first series basically shows you that to pull that hole. Everything you everything you knew is wrong, and it turns out that Miracle Man is actually a product of a government, a secret government, um, or it's like organization in order to, that um that took advantage of um science of a it's like of a of a let's say of a plane of a of a UFO crash it's like decades decades ago and used the technology it's like in that crash to create superhumans basically it's like um. Um, Miracle Man's powers basically created, basically um, scavenged from that from that crash, and the and his ability to trans- transform between um, like ordinary Mike Moran and the godlike um, Miracle Man is all part of a um, like like a phase shift device implanted in his like in his skull, activated by by the secret word Kimota. So, so like you know, one out that he's um, back that uh, he's back in in business. So what's going to happen? Well, it turns out that. There were um, other members of the Miracle Man family. There was um, Young Miracle Man, the aforementioned Dickie Dauntless, and Kid Miracle Man, Johnny Bates. The thing about Bates is that um, in the it's like in the uh, final adventure where where the um, government tried to kill them, um, realizing that they you know they couldn't control they, that um, they couldn't control into their specifications. Um, while Moran um, lost his memory of being Miracle Man, um, Bates. Actually survived the whole thing, continued to grow up as a superpowered being from from his childlike state. So when he, so he grows, so he grows up and accumulates all this power, both in the both as a businessman and as a superhuman. It's like that's that's when that's where the, the real fun, real fun starts, and that's and so it's and a lot of and the um, and he's basically the antagonist for this, like for this um, series because as one of the parts that hasn't aged as well is that you know when um in the first volume when um Moran is talking to um to Bates and he he basically spells out hey you know it's like if you were a superhuman and you um grew up like with all this power and you suddenly realize that hey you know like I'm I'm really God I don't have to be but here's all human it's like it's like like human standards and inventions I I don't it's like I can just do whatever I want it's like you're like okay, yeah. You're you're basically spelling out the bad guy's motivations for us in the most literal literal way possible. Oh wait, it turns out to be true, and now he's going to kill you. So yeah, that was extremely clunky. Even though you can understand the sentiment behind what Moore is trying to do, but it was still oh painfully on the nose. Even so, it does lead to some fascinating um, conversations in the mind between um, Bates and and Kid Miracle Man. Um, later. It's like later on because um, while it's like because in a very um, clever and amusing bit where um, it's like 
where um, Kid Miracle Man transforms back to Johnny Bates at the climax of their initial fight. Now the, uh, the he basically winds up committing himself to winds up being committed to a uh, sanitarium for like for kids, and, have, and then eventually having to like you know act as um, act as his as um, Bates has to act as um, Kid Miracle Man's um, jailer. But you know he's still just like a thirteen year old kid, and now he has to contend with um, this crazed um superpowered god in his head who wants to be allowed and also just like you know the other um kids in like who've been who've been um admitted for treatment as well so it's it's like yeah, i'm getting i'm getting ahead of myself there but just the uh but it's but it's bad news for what, hap- what happens there and it's actually and that's actually handled um pr- like um really well it's like in the it's like in a fairly i'm uh, fairly fairly um um, well, it's like well thought out, well f- way for the most part. But the um, let's see, but the uh, second, second and third volumes basically um, deal with um, it's like with you know just like further like deconstructing this like the uh, it's like the series, it's like the convention of the, su- of the superhero genre. You know, after um, Moran finds out that his that all that his um, adventures back in the in the fifties were just like psychic implants controlled to um, it's like, like done to um, Make him, uh, it's like make him more easy. It's like easy to control. It's like he, um, it, like the series, like you know, it's yeah, you're. It's like he, he, yeah. It's it's the um, whole deconstru- deconstructionist angle where um, you're saying everything you know is wrong. It's like this is how this is how it actually happened in the real world, but it still loops right back around to being an evil plot. By his arch nemesis, Doctor Emil Gargunza, and we find out that Gargunza, you know, of course, because you know he's a he, he's an evil genius. Of course, grew up in the street streets of Puerto Puerto Rico, went to Europe as a as a kid, had a genius level IQ, and then you know he got to know um, Hitler and the Nazis because you know hey he's bad guy and all, and um it, and he wanted to and he's this guy who wants to live forever, and he sees the um technology um behind Mir- Miracle Man and his it's like and his and his buddies to, um, as a means for that. So it's, so then, so the vo- most of volume two is, it's like, it's like centers around, um, it's like Miracle Man's clash, clash with Gargunza. It's like, as what, and also with expand, his expanding duties as, it's like, as a father, because it turns out that, you know, after, it's like, you know, after he, uh, manifests as Miracle Man to Liz, you know, the, like, she is like completely bewitched by his presence. And, you know, he's like a super, super, superhuman who can, to kind of move mountains with his hands, he's also capable of just like you know gently caressing um like a woman, it's like with no trouble at all, no um man of steel woman of Kleenex issues here. So and so, you've got um like the like his his wife his um girlfriend Liz pregnant pregnant with this kid, and um, also his um his nemesis trying to control, trying to find a way to use that kid in order to be, um to live forever. See, it's let's see, it's good. Volume two is, it's like doesn't have like as many um, killer moments as the first one. Doesn't have like the whole like, we're sitting like this is the um, the whole shock of the new that the first first volume had. But it had see, but it has lots of in, lots of interesting bits like like involving um it's like involving uh, Miracle Man's team up with um former former government spook um Evelyn Cream um to find out just what's going what's going on. And I love the bit where they try and um, push the um. Former British, um, one of the f- former British defense ministers, um, uh, Dennis Archer, um, for information, and they're just like 
trolling, completely trolling him, saying that, you know, hey, like, uh, Miracle Man's wife is gone. What have you done about this? And Archer's like, no, no, we haven't done this at all. I swear to God, man, we haven't. And um, as Archer's completely freaking out about this, Cream just turns to Miracle Man and says, no, they don't have her. And then, um, then, then the, um, it's, then it's revealed that, hey, it's Gargunza that's, see, that's got her. And then in the end, though, it's like, it's actually, um, Moran who saves the day when he, um, divines the, uh, it's like the, uh, um, secret code word that will turn off the, um, miracle dog that, um, Gargunza sets upon him. And there's, I mean, even though it's like, the series is like set out to, um, like, um, repudiate and, um, I show a lot of the superhero stuff I would actually work in the real world. It actually um, loops around and actually does a lot of, you know, does all the clever, like clever stuff for the genre. The, the, I love about the genre and stuff. Like, how is he, how is he going to get out of this? You know, like with Moran like, and Miracle Dog in the, it's like, it's like in the jungle. And then, um, you know, when um, Miracle Man finally has his day, day against Gargunza at the, v- the very end. So and then, um, let's see, and then you get the um, final, the final parts where um, you get the aliens who are coming to look for, um, let's say, look for a miracle, miracle Man's kid, and oh yeah, we got a gig- a real live birthing scene in this in this comic. I mean, it's I know it's 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 not disgusting as I'm as I may have made it sound right there, but it's actually um, quite it's like it's like quite beautiful and like impressive in how it shows like you know the miracle of life as it's like it's like in com- it's like in comic form it's like i will admit that it's kind of like um that um some of the uh like some of the art by um rick vh does seem to be um really uh off model um for like f- like for the scene as well but um even though uh Moore has um worked, worked with vh many times over the years this is probably one of their first color- collaborations and it's um not see not one of their best I have it's like I have to admit, um, but it's also worth noting that the art for the series is actually uniformly strong from from the early efforts in the initial volumes by um, Gary Leach and Alan Davis, and then in volume two by um, Chuck Austin of all people because you know before he wrote um, absurdly terrible X Men comics he actually went and did um, did the art for a couple issues of Miracle Man that lasted I think all of two issues or three or four, I don't know. And, um, then see, then VH took over. So, and then, so that's, so that's volume two, but then you get to, um, volume three Olympus, which is where, um, a lot of, like a lot of series, most, I used to say infamous moments take place. And the art from there is handled by, um, John Totleben. And, and that's also acknowledged that they, you get a special credits to, um, Thomas Yates, who, um, you know, if assuming that everything pans out as I as I'm writing, then um, you'll hear me talk more about. You've probably already heard read me talk about his contributions to um, Conan versus Gru. Um, it's like um, yesterday, but I'm getting ahead of myself. But um, Total Ben is best known for his for his work contributions to um, more run on Swamp Swamp Thing, as he um, inked and provided some of the art for um, for like for the run as well. And um, it and the art for this. Like for this um, arc is nothing is nothing less than absolutely fantastic, and you just I mean, like just look at all the all the detail that he that that's layered into each scene. Um, it's like and it's just like in 
and it's just incredible to take take in on every single page, just from like you know the fu- the um, scenes in the future from Miracle Man's um, from from his home that he's built for everyone. It's like for for, for himself on. It's like in for, for the home that he's built for himself himself on the future to the um st- the way the story is laid out. It's like in it's like in the present. It's like it's it's absolutely incredible. I mean, the series. It's like even though the series like isn't as um. It's like isn't as thick as it's like I mean, the you're only getting like about a, let's see uh, uh let me get the uh, about 147 pages of story here but the ones that are that are done by Amor and Totalben are very are dense intricate works that you that you will need to um like read slowly and without distraction or take in all the detail that's offered here and a third volume well it's it's easily the most ambitious but it's also the most it's also completely plot driven in the sense that you're just being bombarded by um, developments on, on just about every single page from, I mean, from the introduction of the, of the warp Smiths, to the actual plot as um, miracle man and, and now miracle woman helped to broker a um, peace between the warp Smiths and the Aquis um, Imperium. It's like on earth and also slowly um, recruit um, other um, like superpowered um, beings to their, like to their gathering, gathering of the gods. I mean, this—the uh, superhero as it's like as god um, idea—basically really takes um, like re- it really hasn't been done better. It's like in my, it's like in my opinion, even though it's like a lot of the stuff that happens here. I mean, you feel like you're being told more than anything else because like it's just being funneled to you. At, the information is being funneled to you in a really highly concentrated manner, and also. Um, it's worth noting that um, Moore has definitely has a very flowery poetic um, language, uh, not language, poetic style to his to his words, and that's you know it's like you may not, you may like it, so, but some people may not be to your liking. But you know I'm I'm not big on poetry. It's like my major was um, fiction when I was um, when I was creating writing major, but um, it's but it actually worked. But I think it works. It actually works um, pretty well in the context context of the series. But getting ahead of myself, you've got um, all this crazy stuff. I mean, like like from international ga- empires to Miracle Man um, conversing with his daughter, who is already um, possessed of the genius level intelligence and superhuman abilities, right as she came out of the womb. And then you've got the um, recruiting of the um, take of the fire take of the fire Drake personality, take of the fire Drake character. Um, what was his name? Huey Moon. Like, and then the um, like, and then the suicide of, like, of of Mike Moran. I mean, yes, he commits suicide, but you know, Miracle Man is still around. How that act actually works, you'll have to read the volume volume to find out. But um, and then also the um, the moment when um, when Kid Miracle Man um finally um, um breaks out, and it's and then. Slowly, then goes on to just wreak ungodly um, chaos on London itself. I mean, the final, the fifth part of this um, of this of um, volume three called Nemesis is infamous for the um, like for, like for the sheer carnage that um, that that beats wreaks on London itself, and then later on with this fight with Miracle Man and his 
Celtic and his companions. Moore said that this that the idea behind the scene was just to show you just you know what would happen if actual superpower beings fought in a um, densely populated um like um cent- like um urban center and London just gets um obliterated and like and the people and the people there just just suffer in ungodly ways. I mean, it's a series. The the issue starts off with um with the shots of um people's of uh, the skin of a family hanging on a clothesline, people being impaled on Big Ben, um, limbs raining upon people from the sky, and um people, like family falling in a car to the earth, and um Bates just um kicking it like on like on the title page. It's like just saying, uh, just it's like, hey, he he's a guy who gives no fucks, and hey, he all, all he did, the whole reason he did this to, to murder murder the fuck out of everyone there was just to get Miracle Man is in his in his um kind attention in order to um stage a final final conflict. This series, like this issue, is it's like is insane for the amount of carnage that it it's like that it see that it shows and um. It's like as well as the um, it's like the uh, and then you also get the um the interesting bits where it's like um people where Miracle Man talks about the um the various ways people have interpreted interpreted his conflict with um Bates over the it's like over the years and that's and that's kind of fun that's kind of fun to to observe as well and then you get the um and um they're just like just fighting see just just fighting just throwing all sorts of crap at each other um. It's like, and until you get the um, one moment of cleverness where, the, where one of the warpsmiths realizes the one thing that um, he can do in order to um, beat um, Kid Miracle Man, and then it leads um, leads Miracle Man to to deliver the uh, killing blow. It's like in a uh, it's like in a in terrible fashion, and the final two page spread of the uh, like of London in ruins is devastating. Now you see this, and it's like. Holy crap! Like this is something, and this is insane that they managed to get do this back in the eighties, and it's still something that's never been equaled in comics. Just in the way that you look at this and think, "Wow!" Just I mean, just like how do you? It's it's got the uh, the intensity of it's like of the wanton destruction as well as the emotional impact. Just saying of um you know what what it took in order to finally stop this guy, and um one of the things that I think. That more um, kind of like, is upset about over the years is that you know creator like superhero, like people looked at this like a lot of other superhero comics creators looked at this and didn't think you know hey you know this is kind of the dead end for the superhero genre you know this is actually uh, you know what what people fighting superhero superpower people fighting would look like you know maybe we should actually just you know stop and try something else nope so most creators just looked at this and said huh. You know, how can I top that? And yeah, it's like this, you know, hey, it's like every uh like it's like every year the Marvel universe um gets gets destroyed and then miraculously rebuilt through um the efforts of guys like damage control. But you know, hey, it's like it but even though it's like, you know, nobody learned anything from this, um, like it doesn't diminish the like Moore's like like Moore's achievement here. It's like it's still a compelling piece of fiction, and then you get the final um, like the final issue in the arc, where um he, it's like where um Miracle Man just takes off and just like starts reconstruct. He and his partner start reconstruction, 
reconstructing civilization in much better fashion to allow everyone to be gods themselves, to basically bring all the benefits of being superpowered to the people themselves. And it's, it's like, it's kind of, I, I love the idea of a lot of the stuff he's doing here, even if a lot of this, some of the stuff doesn't quite, um, you know, pan out. It's like just how he would, um, you know, abandon, like abolish money just by um, seeking a word and also just, you know, eradicate crime just by, um, like, like, um, by doing the same as well. It's, doesn't quite pan pan out as as smoothly as you it's like as you would hope, but it's still fascinating to consider the effects and also the uh, moment at the end. Uh, actually, the um, it no the part that leads into the to um the final moment is when um Miracle Man talk, goes back to visit Liz, tell him about all this great stuff he's been doing, and she and he offers her like the same benefits you know that everyone he's offering everyone else, and she just tells him to get out. And it's and then at the end you see him contemplating, you know, why would she not want to be a be a god like everyone else? And it's just a great moment of of uncertainty to end the uh, it's like to end his run on. It's kind of it's kind of poetic, and then you know leads into um Gaiman's um run about you know hey now the Superman Superman has created God has created um paradise on Earth. He is basically a virtual virtual god amongst men. What do you do next? So, I'm. I've read some of the some of the game and issues at um, the Eaton Collection. Um, I remember the uh, first issue after his after Moore's run basically involved a bunch of people climbing um, to Olympus to plead to implore Miracle Man for like for for a boon. Like as you would you know, hey, I'm climbing a mountain. Like I'm climbing the mountain. Like find God on the top, and um, and Miracle Man just granting some of their wishes. And others saying no, and then you've also got. I think there's um, an issue that delves into the um, one of the offhand lines where it says that hey, you know, we've brought back like 15 different. Um, it's like um, Andy Warhols, and in, it's like in our virtual underworld. So it's so there. I mean, so there you go. But I, but um, one of the things I, I remember one of the supplies I do remember from that run is that um, it's going to involve the return of Dickie Dauntless. Who um, apparently was struck between his um, superhuman and ordinary selves. It's like in this, it's like in this whole um, ep- episode. But you know that's something to look forward to, and I'm definitely going to check it. Look forward to checking it out. Now, at the end of this um, Wars Run, we've also got the uh, Miracle Man Annual, which um, contains a, a story by um, Grant Morrison involving a, a priest um, who witnessed um, Johnny Bates' return to Earth after. Like after he was um, struck down when the government tried to take him out, and um, then um, Bates's um, return to him tie up that loose end. It's like later on. It's you know it's it's amusing for what it is, and uh, more. Sorry, um, Morrison. It's like um, well, actually, you know, a lot of the interesting bits comes from just Joe, Joe Quesada's art and just like um, recasting on Bates as a um, mad. As a mad mod god of destruction, whose um, likeness is actually drawn from Morrison's um, look um, when he wrote this, wrote this original series, wrote this original story. So it's so it's not bad, but it's kind of like a uh, it's an answer to a question nobody asked. And that's it's all right. More entertaining though is the um, is the story from Peter Milligan and Mike Allred, which basically acts as a um, pastiche of. Um, of original creator on uh, Mick Anglo's um, Miracle Man stories, as he as um as as um, the Miracle Man family goes goes around just like 
I'm finding crazy Silver Age plots from from Gargunza. It's like I'm taking on evils like under it's like like um, ocean dumping, and just and then suddenly realizing realizing at the end that hey, you know, no one ever really gets hurt. No one ever nothing ever really changes here. And then and then being his the rejoinder being well, why would you want anything to be um, crazier or or more or more serious? It's like, and then, it's like it's it's an amusing, it's like it's it's amusing bit of bit of filler. It's like it's a million. I wouldn't quite say he's phoning it in, but he's definitely um, like adhering to a familiar brand of me, of it's like a meta, meta fictional self awareness here. It's fun. It's like, but not the best work that either creator has done. So then you've got now. It's also I should also mention that each. Um, of these three volumes is padded out with um, lots of additional art and supplemental materials that uh, makes you makes it look like you're getting a much better, a lot more um, um, stuff than you originally paid for. Because um, first volume is thirty bucks, second volume is thirty five, final volume is a whopping forty bucks. But still, one thing to keep in mind though is if you wanted the original um, trade paperbacks that collected these. The issues here, you're paying a hell of a lot more. But even so, like a lot of the um, supplemental material Marvel has included here is more filler than anything else. Um, the uh, final volume is actually on um, the most egregious offender, considering more than half of the volume is supplemental material. And even though um, there is a certain amount of commentary here, it's like it's not really as it does point out like some in- interesting bits and show you some. Like some changes in the art from the initial version, initial initial roughs to the final version, which is, which is cool. But um, so, but then I kind of wish that there had been like a lot more discussion here. So instead of just like the the um the sentence, the um sentence description that a lot of these um story, than a lot of these um pieces of artwork get. So it's so so yeah, it's, that's that's kind of disappointing. A Marvel mean. To be honest, if Marvel really wanted to do it, they could just—they just—they could have just repented the entirety of um, the Miracle Man saga in one volume. But um, you know that doesn't sell. That doesn't sell a whole lot these days. I mean, that—that that wouldn't sell nearly as well as um, reprinting the the saga in in three volumes that retail for oh, uh, let's see, let's see, seventy ninety-five bucks. So there you go. I mean, wait, no, ninety-five. No, no, I'm doing the math wrong. It's one hundred and five bucks. God damn it! Well, at least I didn't. At least um, the Amazon discount takes the takes the uh, sting off that that particular realization. Still, though, it's like um, Moore's Miracle Man work is uh, still remains compelling. It doesn't. Uh, not all stuff is aged as well as I as you would have hoped, but it's still. But um, like like Watchmen, really, it's like. You know, it's like even if a lot of the innovations here have been picked over and repurposed um, later on by other by um, other creators, you know, including Moore himself with Swamp Thing and Watchmen, um, it still remains a compelling story in and of itself. And it's, it's interesting to observe just you know what happens you know when a superhero is allowed to just you know do whatever he wants and um, take take the world on a it's like a, on a ride to that um, no one else can stop from taking taking it on. I'm yeah yeah it's. Still ridiculously expensive, but I'm still glad I have I have these in my in my library. Um, hey, however, you want to pick them up, 
It's like, hey, I'm sure they'll be worthwhile addition to yours. John, um, any thoughts on your end? Well, um, just the interesting comment about your, uh, you know, your uh, observation in uh, volume three, is it? Where you're talking about the mass carnage that happens yes. when a huge superhero fight entails, you know? Yes. Um, that seems to be an interesting theme in, um, you know, certain movies as of late. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, outside of that, um, I don't want to spoil it for anyone here, but, um, <clears throat> however, uh, I think it's interesting because there is a real, um, you know, I mean, you know, it's kind of, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be some casualties if you can't move those citizens out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> Though it's like just about every, um, like every comic and film tends to down, downplay the effects. Um, more, I mean, more try to show you just, just how um, devastating it would be, and instead of everyone being horrified by it, everyone took it as a challenge to say, hey, you know what, I bet I can do something even crazier and more violent. Exactly. Um, it's interesting, though, I don't know if, uh, you know, this might be a philosoph- philosophical discussion we can talk about later, is like, um, you know, do you think that, uh, like, guys like Moore and... Um, uh, and other, uh, you know, British born ones, uh, born like writers, uh, tend to be more, you know, realistic when it comes to actual destruction, uh, you know, or, or, you know, like killing of people. And, and the reason why I mention it in this way is because, um, when you look at, you know, uh, um, I tend to think that, you know, they tend to be, you know, only a couple generations removed from one of the most, you know, horrific wars that was ever fought in the world, you know, World War Two. you know, where there was tons of destruction and tons of death, you know. Um, and uh, now, you know, like I said, he's he's not of that generation, but he's right after it. And no, but certainly he... colored it, you know. Certain things like that can color one's, uh, you know, perspective on things, you know. You're right, but not quite for the reason that you're thinking. Okay. Because, um, Mur, this was written back in the 80s. This is when we were living under the... Sh- un- everyone was living under the shadow of, um, n- of nuclear annihilation. Okay. Truly assured destruction. And also that um, Moore and all the other writers who came of age at the time, like um, Gaiman, Morrison, um, Milligan, um, Delano, it's like all these guys were all living under the Thatcher um, regime. Ah, yes. Yes, the Iron Lady herself. Yes, and she even makes an appearance in um, in the third volume, like in in a very memorable part where um, when Miracle Man is basically explaining to everyone just like how he's going to change the world for the better, and she basically um, says chimes in says no 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 we can't allow this can't be allowed at all this, you have all these considerations you have to consider and then he just uh, and when he, and um, his rejoinder to her, to her is allow and she just. And the next panel is just her just recoiling in horror when she realizes that, you know, there really isn't anything I can do to uh, stop this man from doing what he wants. And um, <laughs> it's kind of funny because, like, you know, e- even though she's, she's cowed and put into place, Miracle, Miracle Woman chews um, him out later on for saying, you know, why are you doing, why are you being such a dick to her? Because, you know, you're supposed to be like being, you can't hate these people for being what they are. And then, um, he um he he uh, in the final panel just realizes like you know hey 
like realizing that you know what she is she's become now or what she's resigned to he couldn't hate her so it's kind of like you know it's like more himself is kind of like reaching a certain um realization um regard regarding you know thatch like regarding what um thatcher's regime in the context of his like of his own work but it's like it's that whole you know like nuclear nightmare that they were that everyone was living under at the time that i i think that influenced um this influenced the writing of this um more than say um world war ii itself yeah yeah that makes sense yeah because that's this definitely uh influenced a lot of things during that generation so anyway so cool do you know what you're going to be talking about next time next week we'll be recording uh, not, next time we'll be recording from Faname and um, if everything goes right I'll have my buddy Steve on hand to talk about um, not buried treasure of manga but buried garbage of manga Great. one series in particular actually alright well we can't wait until then and we'll catch you later on comic picks by the click alright laters bye